What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number one of Leeson Learned, the brand new podcast here. We've just started. Thank you so much for joining us, whether you're watching this right now on video, on YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you joining us. This has been something I've wanted to do for, for quite a while and have finally... Uh, Finally been able to do it. Just to give you a quick explanation here of what this show is. Basically, I started doing stand-up comedy when I was 14 years old. I got into this, uh, you know, basically while I was in high school. Started doing amateur nights. Uh, started started performing stand-up comedy at the, you know, I'd go to school during the day. At night, I would go perform stand-up comedy wherever I could get on stage. And then I graduated and hit the road and have been doing that pretty much ever since. Uh, and, and now have been at that for over 20 years of my life, performing uh, all over, well, basically all over Canada, all over the United States. And uh, if you guys have, if you've seen any of the YouTube clips, any of our stand-up clips here on the channel, uh, or if you're listening to this on the YouTube channel, The Jeff Leeson Show, first of all, thank you very much. And secondly, uh, you'll notice that my style is uh, very improvisational. It's got a lot to do with uh, people. I'm very curious about people. And that is why I have started this podcast. I have I am very curious and I wanted to learn about all types of people. Uh, we're going to have comedians on this show. We're going to have uh, entertainers of all kinds, musicians, artists, entrepreneurs, basically anybody that I think has a, a really fascinating, interesting story that I can learn about and sort of get to the bottom of and, and that I think you guys would enjoy. I'm going to have them on the podcast here. Uh, each and every week. We're going to do this uh, weekly. I believe these are going to come out every Thursday. And I could not be more thrilled for our very first guest. If you're going to do this, you got to come out of the gate hot. And there's no way to come out of the gate hotter than with our first guest. That sounded weird. That was a weird thing to say, coming out of the gate hotter. I don't know what that means. I'm sorry, but we're, we're I'm very, very excited for our first guest on the first show, episode number one. We're kicking things off with uh, one of my favorite comedians in, uh, in the world. This guy is absolutely hilarious. One of the best live comedians I have ever seen. He has appeared on uh, Just for Laughs. He's got a special on Netflix, not only a stand-up comedian, an amazing actor as well. He's been on the show Mr. D, which is uh, currently, I believe, on uh, Netflix or just went on Netflix now. He's also one of the stars of the critically acclaimed show Rami, which is on Hulu um, and I, I believe other, other places as well. A, a terrific show, won all kinds of awards. And I could not be more excited to welcome my very first guest, Mr. Dave Merhaj. Sorry for being late. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, uh, I normally wouldn't wait for someone that long, but a man of your stature, <laughs> you know? Dude, I felt so bad. I was like, man, it's, yeah, I felt it's bad. Okay. I apologize. You know, I actually, I don't know why I thought this, but I, I, for some reason earlier today as we were driving in, I thought Dave's going to be late. Like er oh, really yeah. early. I don't know why. It was tight, man. It's like, yeah. I thought about it too. I was like, oh man, I, I should have like coordinated this a lot better. It was a late train too. Like it was, 
It wasn't early. I could have taken a 9 a.m. one. Sure. Well, why would you do that? You don't want to get up at... at oh, I thought You got to be gonna... up at like 7.30, I think, to get a 9, yeah. right? Well, I thought I was going to be drinking for some odd reason on a Friday night in, in my hometown. Right. I didn't. I just right. had like a McFlurry and, and, I, like, and I watched a Netflix movie. By yourself? Well, I hung out with my family and then everyone kind of went to bed and then I went downstairs and I watched it. Nice. What movie? It was a movie called Verse. It was uh, about uh, British rap battles, like rap battles, but it was in England. It was based in, it was like out of London, I believe. Interesting. Yeah, and it was like a, a, a battle rapper, Shoddy Horror, was in it, like okay. acting, but that's his, that, his, his, his real bat, like he's a battler in, in, in real life. Right. But he was playing a battle rapper in the movie. Well, either way, man, I appreciate you being here, uh, and and uh, you know, I pre- late or not, you're here, and I appreciate it. You've set a record. You're now the first person to eat <laughs> while on the show. Yeah, brought pizza with you. Yeah, that was a power move to me. Was not only were you late, you brought your food with you. You were later as a result of having to get food. I was like you know? three minutes later. Exactly. This was the one right. It was like right downstairs. The right. Next, and I was like, oh man. I just wanted to have energy too. I was like, man, I don't want to be, you know, I want to, because like I know you and, and I and I and I and I think highly of you. So I was like, I don't, you know, sometimes you might do. I can a- tell by the way you showed up late with food. <laughs> <laughs> but but hear me out. Hear me out. You know, there's other podcasts that maybe I would be like, whatever. I, I could have low key energy. Right. But I wasn't going to have energy I wasn't gonna fail you. Right. I, what I'm basically Thank trying you. to say is that I failed a lot of other podcasts. Right. <laughs> so you I didn't want like, to do the same no, thing here. I, I was already late. I was right. like going to bring my own food. I go, I don't want to come in with whack energy. I want to be upbeat. I'm so curious I, for those other ones. Were you on time? I was on with time. With less yeah. energy, though? Uh, is that what probably, happened? Yeah. You showed up on time and like, like low, yeah, energy. low energy. So this one you thought, I'll go in late, high energy. Well, this one I thought like... I, I thought in my head, I go, yo, I'll get off at six. I'll get into the city at six. I just thought everything was going to go faster. Right. And then I, where I had to drop off my stuff was Keelum Bloor. It's, not, it's nowhere near here. Right. Right. Like it's like completely on the other opposite, opposite, opposite side of town and north. Right. So as I got off, now it's like 616. I'm not even off the, the via. And the via rail train didn't even stop anywhere close to the state. For some odd reason, I thought we were. I was like, "Are we here?" And then I got off, and um, a comic sister was there. She was like, "I don't know how to get. I barely used the via rail. I don't even know where my train is." She was just like, looked lost. So I helped her out. Oh, that's nice. And then I then I jumped on the Up Express, which I love. And yeah. Then I, yeah. And then it was just like I knew I was like, "Yo, I gotta tell this guy that there's no way I'm making this time of seven. Sure. It was no way. I appreciate that. You you were very, you, you know, you, you messaged earlier and said, hey, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be yeah. late. And I appreciate that. It's wor- That's better than just showing up late. No, no, you I know just what I knew. Mean? No. And then I was like pissed I was, of myself. I was like, man, I should have either come in. I should have done this on another day. Because like, so because I'm disrespecting him right now. Because not it's just like not. What was I thinking? Even on the train ride, I was like, this is, this is, the time is too like close to it, but. It's We're okay, here. man. Either way, I appreciate you being here. No matter what, <laughs> I appreciate you being here. Uh, and and you know, it's it's really I, I, super. I'm I'm super happy for you. First I of all, because that. you got Thank a lot you. going on. I, we've known each other, Jesus. We've known each other a long time. And I always yeah. like to tell people the first time I ever saw you was you were doing a guest spot 
in London. I had heard about this guy named Dave Merhaj. I had heard from everybody, Mark DeBonis, Rob Bebenek, all the people from Toronto. This guy, Dave Merhaj, he's unbelievable, you know? Nice. To the point, you know where you hear about somebody so much that you start getting angry about how much you hear about them? And you start getting like, well, how fucking good could this guy possibly be? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I've done that. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard the same thing, yeah. And so I... Finally, I was I was at a random Yuck Yuck show. I see uh, whoever was headlining or whatever, and all of a sudden out comes this guy I've heard about for months, Dave Mirage. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even know you were on the show. I go, holy shit, here's the guy. You did, I'm going to say five to seven, right? Yeah, it was a guest it spot. It was a guest spot. Lit the place on, to the, on fire to the point where I had never seen comedy done in, I'd never been a part of a, a, an audience where comedy was that good before and that electric, where it was that. like, what the fuck was that? And all of a sudden, I start to get it. You know, I start yeah. to go, oh, okay, this is what they're all talking about. This guy just came out here. These people were, I'm going to say, actually, that that crowd was a little bit dull they were they were a little bit low energy and i don't think they were giving much to the host at that time but when you came out holy shit what a a blast of energy and like a lightning bolt and it was crazy and i and i remember thinking to myself i had been doing comedy for a long time at that point stand-up wise and i thought i i don't even feel like i'm doing comedy properly like whatever i'm doing I'm not making crowds do this. Like they were, but you left the stage. The host comes out. The look on his face was just <laughs> like, I, like, wh- how the fuck? Do, what do I even say about that? <laughs> yeah. And brought up a poor sacrificial lamb. I, I, the host left so fast that brought up like whoever the middle was, and the middle had no choice but to, uh, but to say something about you and be like, what you know? Yeah, like holy well, shit, right? Yeah. Um. And and that's how I met. Uh, uh, sorry, not even met. I don't even think I met you no, that I night. Met I met that you night, years, no. later, years but, later, but uh, or like a year later in uh, also in London. But holy shit, what? Uh, like it was. It was just like another level to me uh, yeah. of comedy, where it was like that's how you should be doing comedy. It changed a lot for me. I, think. I appreciate that. And to be honest, I think, um, and I don't know if you know this, but I think changed a lot for the community. Of comedians in Toronto, I think a lot of people started doing, uh, uh, you know, a quote unquote Dave Merhaj impression, yeah. uh, in a way. If, uh, yeah, you'd hear, you know, I, I not hear things, but like I had friends that would would call me or t- or be like, "Yo, this person is doing this," or uh, maybe influenced per se. But I, you know, I never really. I think it's like I think it's dope because I I personally was influenced by multiple comedians. Right. So I would probably catch myself up there anyways, even doing I I for sure was up there attempting to do a Richard Pryor. At first? Like just even now in sense of vulnerability. Everything comes right. from that that place of right. like, well, you know, watching him, I was like, yo, this guy was so honest. Well, yeah. to me, it seemed like he was very honest up there and I was like, How do I recreate that? How do I do that? So I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's like you know, I I, I was flattered by any by uh, when I any time I heard it, I was very flattered. I was like, you know, 
it's very it's very dope it's yeah. very inspired it's like awesome to, to to you know work your work so hard and then people are maybe either influenced by you and maybe emulating i heard about that with jason rouse before yeah. i even moved to toronto or when then i moved to toronto people were trying to be like him so it's very inspired it's inspiring and I, at the time i was just like just put my head down and kept working you know what i mean i didn't ever wanted to buy into any of it because i think you buy into it for what there's like really no purpose it's not gonna do you any good i think right uh, at all so i was just like constantly how do i how do i stay good stay fresh uh stay authentic but also stay sharp right because there's always gonna be like somebody coming in making noise so that's how what do i did I always up? notice yeah. about you was uh, there was a lot of talk about you but none of it came from you you see a lot of people talk themselves up good or bad but yeah. but you, you, there was a lot of people talking about you and very little from you even when i met you it was like i don't even think this guy has a clue <laughs> what no. he's doing I you know here you know <laughs> I, I honestly probably didn't no i still don't really i you know whatever it's it's very it's very flattering but at the time for sure i i did it i was ignorant i was just more of like more addicted to being the best right right uh, in the room in the city i was just addicted to that i was addicted to being number one i was right. like very in my head that way uh and that's where i think the work came from and i remember a long time ago even before i moved to like toronto i was still in windsor ontario and i and i had a uh, me and my friend jeffrey ford super funny guy I just actually he, he just i just worked with him he's so so great uh and unique we were at some club in Toledo. We were at Connections in Toledo. And we saw the headliner, and then he had. We did guest spots, and then he was like, "Oh man, you guys are like, it's cool, man. You guys are being yourselves up there. It looks like you're being yourselves up there." And then I was like, oh, "I was young. I didn't know. I was like, oh, I don't know, man. I'm just. I don't even know what I'm doing up there." And then he was like, "Yeah, man. I'm just trying to find myself now. I've been doing it for like 15 years." And I was like, "I thought that was very interesting." I was like, "Well, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. That seems like a lot of work, but." And then I, I don't know how, I think he, he was so kind, he gave us his info, and I talked to him on the phone. I remember vividly, I was in my, I was at, my old, like, where my parents, I was living at home at the time, and I remember being in the room, and I just went, hey, man, do you, I, I was naive, and also, like, I just needed, I wanted answers to figure out this riddle as quickly as you can. I was like, how, what do I do, man? <laughs> how do I get better or how do i get seen and he goes just let the stage teach you i remember that's what he said and i just didn't know I, obviously i was like Whoa. i was like fuck maybe that wasn't the answer i wanted because i was like man that means i gotta do a lot of work so then let and then the stage teach your teacher yeah and then he was just like go up he goes i don't send tapes man i just he just said he smashes and then clubs talk about him that's how he get that's what he told me i don't know if he was lying but he's like he's getting booked off of just not even sending tapes and then Someone told me Rouse uh, would do 20, like, five sets a day or night, sorry. And then I just was like, I just got fixated with that idea of, like, being a workhorse and, and beating Rouse's numbers. I remember saying to myself, I was like, I'm going to do more than what he does. I'm going to get on stage more than him. And it just became like an addiction. And then I also was, like, right, trying to write up there, too. I was, like, trying to find whatever I was trying to do. So I would, for me, it was, like, more, th I had a better time going to a shitty open mic instead of sitting at a cafe and writing because i would do that before but i found it way more funner for me just to be at these so people would always be like man you're just like an open mic or you're always at these open mics and what they didn't know 
how would they? It was like that's how I was building my act or my style. But I knew. So you would go in with an idea. To yeah, the, multiple ideas. And yeah. just get up there and just. That's how it hash it out. So I'll be doing these, like, all these dumb. These Were you little, taping it, filming it? No, I was paying attention. I was listening to it. Listening like, in to, my your, head. Like, to I, the I, audience. Yeah, yeah. What are they yeah, reacting what they were to? picking up on. So a lot of people were right. like, this guy, he's just an open micer. But what they didn't understand is like, again, why would they? I wasn't telling anyone. I was just doing it for myself, obviously. But I was like, I'm just building here. Like, I, I obviously don't want to stay on the scene, these right. rooms. Right. But this is my notepad. based. So I'm just going to. So then, Did you ever write anything down? Yeah, after write that notes. Point? I wrote a bunch of, I had notes. I, I still have notes. I use my phone to write notes. It's never, it's not like all off like, you know, I just write these ideas down or I have an idea and then I construct it together in my head. I think about it all day or for four days until I get it up there. Right. Yeah. And how old were you? Because uh, let, let's go back a little bit. You 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 were born in Windsor, Ontario. I was born in Windsor, Ontario. Um, to uh, My parents are from Lebanon. Uh, 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 they moved, my mom moved to, to Windsor when she was young, and my dad, I think, in his late 20s, and they moved, they met in Windsor, so they're from, they're Lebanese, uh, and then I, I think around my mid-20s, I moved to Toronto, uh, Ontario, so I went and to college and shit. What, what are, you have siblings? I have siblings, so I have my sister Mary, she's, I'm the oldest, then it's Mary, uh, John and Joe, Joe and John. Well, you're the, the oldest. Youngest. I'm the oldest. Okay. Me and my sister are in our 30s, and they're, they're in they're in their 20s. Okay. And uh, still close to all of them? Always. We have group chats. I just was with them. The yeah. homies. Yeah. yeah. I love so, them dearly. So yeah. very family. Yeah, it's a very family oriented. Uh, uh, right. They just were all at the show in Windsor. Like the intro. Like it's like a, it's like a squad. We don't like. We're, 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 we're together. Right. Right. Um, and, and so how old are you when you... First of all, what was your first... Or what is your first memory of how stand-up comedy came into your life. My uncle Brian, who married into the family, I think married, but he was dating, he was with my aunt, Najla. He was like, he told me about stand-up and he would show me Andrew Dice Clay, Richard Pryor, um, Eddie Murphy. And you're how old? Uh, maybe younger than 14, maybe 12. When you're a kid, oh, yeah. little little Dave, are you funny? Are you a funny kid? No, I wasn't a class clown. I, I remember I made my my mom laugh by making fun of my aunt, and I thought that was cool, right? Because it made her happy and she smiled. So then I, you know, I don't I don't remember being funny. I just remember doing. I remember trying to. I would do act outs with my sister and my cousin Danny. So we right. would make these fake sitcoms, and we'd be like action, and then we'd record tapes because I'm dating myself. You here. you wrote them or you were enacting whatever you saw? No, we. I guess we tried to write. We would do this thing where we'd. We'd be like, okay, here's the scene. You're this celebrity. I'm this celebrity. You're this celebrity. Let's talk. Action. And we would talk. And this is as a kid? Like a child? Yeah, yeah, a child. And then my uncle, my uncle George, who I just saw, we played it to him and him and my aunts. And he was like, uh, oh, this is kind of bad. Like, not in a bad, like, bad language. Because we were doing Michael Jackson impressions or something. Right. He's like, like, we were filthy. And we kind of, like, got ourselves in trouble. We were just trying to be creative, I guess. Um, yeah, and I don't know. Me, my, my sister would do impressions at weddings. She'd do Steve Urkel. And Your sister? Out. Yeah. Would do Steve and Urkel? And I was jealous of her. I wow. remember I, t- I told her years later. I think I told her then. I was like, I was. it was it was so sad. I was at this, the wedding. Everyone was around her, my uncles and my cousins. And they're like, look at Mary. And I'm like, yo, but can someone look at... And I had nothing. <laughs> I had no impressions. <laughs> Or she was killed. I still till this day remember how dope she was with it. She put the glass. She did Steve Urkel from Family Matters so 
so naturally. It was brilliant. I wow. still can remember it. And she was her. She did the laugh. Right. It was great. But she didn't care about like she wasn't trying to be an entertainer. Right. I was trying to be. I at the time I didn't know. I would do imitations of like commercials when we watched TV as a family, and I'd spit it back. This is what my mom was telling me. I would do imitations of wrestlers because my dad took me to a lot of wrestling events in Detroit. Um, I, my uncle, or my, sorry, my cousin Roger. I was a kid. He'd he'd bring me in. He'd he'd bring me into his room, and there was to be this girl. He's like older, and he'd be like, "Yo, do Macho Man Randy Savage or Hulk Hogan for her." for us so i do the imitation and leave and then when i got older and i saw him i remember he was at a show i go yo you were fucking those girls right <laughs> was he he giggled but it was like yeah. he was probably making out with them but i was like this little kid that was like he's like yo look what my nephew could do right or my cousin so that's my, gold i mean you bring a kid in yeah and i'm dead on. like and i used to be able to do macho and hogan right because i was like i love wrestling like so much i was my dad was taking me there still to, do you still watch wrestling or yeah yeah not yeah. as like as i was back then like yeah, I, yeah. I went my 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 best friend also super funny comedian patrick hakeem he's he's more into it than i am but uh, we went to wrestlemania in new jersey and in, in like nxt raw and smack in the hall of fame this past april I love Patrick Hakeem. Patrick Hakeem, I've worked with a couple of times, but just his overall general vibe. You know how when you meet somebody for the first time, you're like, this guy's fucking amazing. Yeah, he's naturally one of the most yeah. naturally funniest people I've ever met. Right? Yeah. He's like, he's my, he's like one of my favorite people. So when you go to high school, uh, in high school, are you, are you a funny guy? Are, are people in high school thinking, this guy's going to be a comedian or what, what are they thinking? They didn't think that. At, no. I wasn't the class clown by any means. I would make fun of the class clown right. to whoever was next to me very quietly so that the class clown doesn't hear me beat the shit out of me. <laughs> right. But right. I remember I someone in college, te- like some, some um, Windsor Life magazine did like this thing and, and this girl underneath it commented like, man, you were so quiet in college. And I remember I clicked on her picture. I was like, oh, man, I remember her. And it was. I was very quiet. In college. And in univer- and probably in high school. Like, wow. I was a quiet person in class. And probably, to right. them, if they saw if they saw me now and they saw how I am on stage, it wouldn't add up to some people. Right. They'd be like, that, no. Nah, this guy wasn't, like, outgoing like that. So, yeah. Right. But, again, I, I, I was watching something on Chappelle and Seinfeld, the co- comedian with cars, coffee, the show. And he- <laughs> I fucked it up big time. Comedians, cars, coffee, coffee the show. I yeah, mean, I apologize. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just didn't put it. All he needed was in and getting, and he nailed it. <laughs> uh, look, man, there's a little secret juice that I'm drinking here. <laughs> a little secret juice. But, uh, no, he, Chappelle said something like he's, he's not, he's more of himself on stage than he is off stage because on right. stage, and, for the longest time, I was always trying to get. Well, I still am like how I am off stage, on stage, like right. cl- as close as I can. But that's not real because on stage I'm more honest with myself and not scared as I am off stage. Off stage I'm very passive, but on stage I'll say whatever I feel I want to. Right. But off stage I'm very passive human being and stuff like that. So it would make sense why these people are like oh, this guy's a comedian. This guy didn't say anything funny. He was very quiet and shit. Right. I always I get that a lot more than I. Than I, you would think. Right. Or someone's like, that guy's a comedian. <laughs> right. I get that all the time. My, my mom uh, pulled out report cards of teachers writing, Jeff never speaks in class, but is very funny, like if spoken to. Yeah, or yeah like, that's how I, yeah. we're probably the same, 
same person in that way. It's like I wasn't one to be like, I still am uncomfortable being like, hey. Right. Like I, it gives me all sorts of anxiety in my head. But if you talk to me like we're doing now, yeah, I'll tell funny stories. and Of course. Funny, but yeah. yeah, I was the same way. Were you, uh, like, was there a, was there someone in high school that either you hung out with or you knew of that was fucking hilarious in in the social realm? Like, they could oh, never yeah, do yeah. stand-up, yeah. but you're like, They're so how funny, is yeah. this guy fucking killing right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, there's you a know? lot. There was yeah. a guy, he never went to school with me, uh, J-Dog, we called him. It was Jason, and we worked at AccuCaps, and it was J-Dog. But Jay was, like, the funniest guy to be, dude. He would high-five people on his way out of his shift. This is, like, 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. people would start, and he just, it's, like, a long hallway. So he would just, he'd be like, he's like, dude, watch. He's like, I'm going to high-five people. I go, you're nuts, dude. People like hate coming here and hate leaving. It's a 12-hour shift. And you just see J-Dog be like, high-five, man. And just high-fiving. And then one time, I hate we, I think he hated the job, too. I hated it. So I would fake shit. Like, I just go into the stall and not pull my pants down. I'd sit on the toilet. And really? I would just fake shit. Where, what, what's what's the company? AccuCaps in Windsor, Ontario. Okay. So what do they the, do? They make gel caps. I don't gel know if they're caps. still there. Okay. Like, for Dimetap and so Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I would just sit on the toilet. And, then, and, I'm, and I'm sitting one time. And I'm doing this. I would tell my manager, whoever. I'm like, I go to the bathroom. I was going to the bathroom five times a day. They think so you I, had Crohn's disease or something? Some, they knew something. I don't even know. They probably. So, I look down and I see these feet. I go... This guy's not taking a shit. <laughs> for sure. I know this trick. I'm doing this trick. And for some odd reason, I just go, because I knew the feet too. I go, are you fuck? I go, J-Dog? And he goes, Dave? And I go, what the fuck are you doing? He was like, fake shitting, man. And then we just realized that we both hated the job. And we've been wow. fake shitting for months. But it just synced. One time it synced together. And we got to, and then we, we just, and he was so funny to me. He still is. Like, there's a lot. My cousin, Mike Moss, when I was a kid, he was so, he just came to the show. I mean, he's never seen me, I think, perform live until really? like Thursday. And I would, his, I'm closer to his brother. But was I would, he blown away? Was he like? He, yeah, I think yeah. in a sense because he because it was kids. I was younger than we were kids at his. Of course. So he and I t- and I tell his brother and I told him I go, dude, you make us laugh. He was like Jim Carrey to me when I was younger. Right. You, I just like he was older and then we would go in the room and he'd make these funny faces and his he had great facial feature movements like how he and so yeah, it was a by far extremely way more funnier people like to answer your question yeah. in a long winded way is like way so many men. I can't even, there's, a, there's countless amount of people. Yeah, I had, the, I had the same thing, man. I grew up with so many people that I was like, hey, these people are, even now, like when you go out now, right? Yeah. Even now, if I go out with certain people, they're hilarious and I'm just chilling watching them. Dude, like, my brother Joe is so funny, man. He knows how to put stories together. He just, he, he can do, my, he can do 40 minutes on my dad probably. Just the same as way I, really? I could, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I laugh. He, he, um, I was, he told a story about my dad yesterday that I was going to, I was so funny that I was like, couldn't stop laughing. So he, a lot of times I'll, I'll, he'll talk, we'll talk and I'll get ideas. I'll just take the ideas like from, because he'd be like, yo, you should use this. Right. Dad did this. Dad did this. So I'll be like, oh, and he's like, you got to talk about this. Because he doesn't have the, he doesn't want to do it. What does he do? What's his job? He, he uh, manages a nightclub and a clothing store. And he uh, does interview. He interviews rappers when he when he when he 
can and wants to and stuff. But yeah, he's like a very wow. out. He's way more popular than I, like in in our town. Everyone knows him. He's just very more charming, uh, way more outgoing, way more talkative. Just knows how to talk to people. I don't right. know how to do that. I, the idea of going to places where he goes sometimes clubs and the way he's walking and maneuvering just gives me a whole bunch of anxiety. Right. And I was like, I don't want to be a part of this. But yeah, he could. He's so funny to me, man. Very, very funny. How old were you when you started doing stand-up? Oh, I, I did my first set when I was 19 and I bombed badly at Yuck Yucks. It was a competition. Funniest comedian in Canada they were searching for. Is this in Windsor? Windsor. They came to the Windsor Yuck Yucks. I bombed badly. What I happened? Tri- I just tried to jam seven minutes into like, no, three. Yeah, I just spit, I was so talking so fast. I didn't know anything about comedy. I think I was trying to tell a joke about how when you go into the bathroom and you're trying to take a shit, but when you hear someone come in and you think you're alone, you just get nervous. So you just start to like, like your your ass gets lowered to the to the toilet because you think you don't want them to hear the splash. It was bad. It was bad comedy. I should have tanked and I just bombed badly. And you're nineteen. At this I think point? it was 19, yeah. 19. And so how quickly after that did you get back on stage? Not long. I went up, but I didn't know anything about hard work or how to build an act or nothing. I would just go on stage twice a month. I would do guest sets. And then the manager at the Yuck Yucks was like, what do you, I came in once, he's like, I'm not giving you a guest set. I go, why? He goes, you don't put any work. You don't watch anyone. These are national headliners that come in. You don't watch. Fuck that. You're not getting a spot. You, you you were doing well, but then people are exceeding you because you don't want to put in the work. So then he kind of like retooled my mind a little bit. And then I started reading a comedy book called The Comedy Bible. And I just started to put a lot more time. Then he, he that was really the push. And I was, I started to go to Michigan and do open mics. So I was out there like seven days a week. So I really, I think after I graduated from college, which would be, I spent four years in college. So 19 plus four. What, I, what did you take in college? What was your advertising for a year? Cause I was waiting for my best friend at the time, Hugo to come in cause he took a year off. So Hugo came in and we switched to marketing. Um, Hugo dropped out seven or four months in and then I graduated with a marketing diploma. I got to thank Hugo, man, on the law because, you know, he was my inspiration. <laughs> I just wanted to be with my best friend at the time. That's why you took this course? Yeah, Hugo was going. Hugo was the man. Hugo had his dimples, bro. <laughs> Hugo was a Mexican guy in, our, in Windsor, bro. He was my best friend in high school. I still talk to him. So I was like, yo, when Hugo, I didn't, I would have took a year off too, but my mom, I think, was like, you're not doing that. Wow. So I was like, and she was like, just, you can do what you want, but just get me an education. So I did that for her partly, partially. So where did you go? What, what school? St. Clair College in Windsor. Oh, in Windsor. Okay. And so you, you have a diploma in advertising and marketing? No, no. I, I left advertising because Hugo, Hugo was finally coming. Okay. And so you moved <laughs> so I, into- I went to tell him, I was like, I'm not doing this. And the teacher was like, I don't get it, man. You had good grades. Why are you leaving? I couldn't tell him I was leaving because my best friend, I could, I think I did, but also advertising is a lot of work. So I wasn't, I wasn't going to use it. I didn't care. I knew I was going to do stand up. So then I was like, whatever, I don't want to put in the work to do this. Right. But it was, it's very, I, I learned a lot of stuff there. I had HR diploma too and stuff. So, but my parents were super supportive of comedy from day one. They still are. So you started at 19, which is the start of college, basically? Yeah, I like graduated high school at 18 because he used to do OAC back then. I don't right. really do it anymore. Yeah. No. So, yeah. How old are you? 
I'm 38. I'll be 39 this month. Okay, so I, I mean, I'm 34. So I was the first group that they, canceled yeah. the extra yeah. year. So you're 18 graduating. You know you're going to do stand up. You're 19. Well, I'm 14. You I wanted. To, I, I told my boy. I've always wanted to be an entertainer over over comedy over stand up. I just knew I just wanted to entertain. At 14, I told my best friend at the time, Rodi. No, Hugo I met later on. Rodi was the first. I think Rodi was the second best friend. It was Jason Georgie, then it was Rodi. Um, and I told Rodi I was going to do comedy. Right. At 14. And we both didn't know what the fuck. I didn't know what it was, but I had a kind of an idea. But I, day one, I wanted to be an entertainer. So you knew at fourteen, but five, it took five years to do. Yeah, I, didn't know. I thought you like, had to. I thought you had to be of legal age. I didn't know you can get a parent to bring you in. I would have. I would have done right. that. And I wrote all these like papers, and I had them in a garbage bag, like a plastic bag. And I, I told Hugo because I met Hugo, and I was like, "Yo, I got these jokes," and I was like, "I'm gonna show you at 19. You can read them." And I gave it to Hugo to read. He was like, "I guess my, I don't know. I, I just trusted him so much." So I was like, yo, Hugo, tell me what these are. These are popping. I didn't say popping, but you get it. I was like, I want to know <laughs> if these are lit. And then he was like, they're cool. Nice. Used to, and he, yeah. We used to hang out at the 7-Eleven all the time. And we became friends with one of the managers. And I think we showed it her, too. And she was like, this is all right. I can't remember what she said, actually. So you're, you, you go to school. How old are you when you graduate? Oh, I must have been. 19, 20, 21, 22, 20, 22, maybe 20, 23. Well, 23. 19, 19, I was in for advertising. And then I did three years of marketing after that. Of marketing. So yeah. you graduate with a diploma or a degree? Diploma, in no. Diploma University of Windsor, you get a degree. Just St. Clair, you get a diploma. Diploma in marketing. And then you're 23. Yeah. And so where is that when you go to Toronto? No, I thought I was going to move to the US because I was doing uh, like open mics in Michigan and I had no knowledge of what a green card or I just thought you could just go to New York or LA. Then I met Jason Rouse, super funny comedian and I was chatting with him and he was like, why don't you just go to Toronto? And then I remember I was going to visit because we were, Yuck Yucks had a battle of the bands and comedy on a Sunday night at the Yuck Yucks. So like an up and comer thing. So I, the band that I was friends with moved to Toronto. They were already there. So I was going to visit them. And then Rouse was like, you want to go see my friend Russell Peters is when he was still doing Yuck Yucks. I was like, sure. And then um, that's he he, he kind of like influenced me a bit to move to Toronto it was Jason Rouse. And then I just moved to Toronto. Like, I think after I think in my mid 20s, I worked a year at AccuCaps after college, stacked up like some bread, maybe like about sixteen thousand dollars just to, to, to move. And then I moved. Yeah. And then you moved to Toronto. Toronto. I lived um Dufferin and Bloor, and I was uh, I was in Toronto for half a year. And then I moved to LA for six months. Really? Illegally, me and this guy James Uloff. We were either, we were either gonna we were roommates. Oh, I know that guy. You know James, yeah. So we were either he gonna still lives there, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, yeah. he stayed. I came back. He uh, he was like, we're gonna either go to Australia or LA. <laughs> I was an idiot, probably, but it was fun. And then I moved. We went to LA. We, we, it was me, him, and this guy Darren. That lived from Windsor, an older comic that lived, and then I think Phil, Phil, or who was in the band, who the, the originally that this they're not a band anymore. So majority of them moved back to Windsor or Leamington area, and Phil stayed out there. So it was me, Phil, and James, I think, for a while as roommates, and then me and James went to LA, and James stayed. 
I came back after half a year and I really got focused. You know, I got robbed out there by pistol, pistol whipped and shit. It really kind of fucked with my head in a sense of like, what am I doing, man? Like, you know what I mean? Like, am I where, where did this happen? Where in we- LA, like a uh, Fairfax in Melrose area. It wasn't in, in a wildly dangerous area. I was just, they were just robbing people who were staying in the hostel. And I was, I was even staying at the hostel at that time. I just knew people that were there. I was going to my friend who I met out there. She used to be in the hostel. She started renting an apartment. So I leave this club, this bar, and she's like, come stay with me because I don't think I had anywhere to stay. On my way, I was like, y'all get some Tylenol before I come to your house. On my way to the Tylenol, to get the Tylenol, these two kids pull up on me with the gun, put it to my head. I give them everything in my pocket. They hit me in the temple with the gun, kick me, and then I stagger to the street. And they were like, well, I think they said run or we're going to shoot you. And I ran. So wow. that, yeah, and I went to her house. They took all my shit. So I had to cancel all my stuff. I just kind of in my head was like, what are you doing? Like, you know, just do it with the comedy you want to do. Before that, I was like playing around with the idea of set up punch. And also I wanted to to not do set up punch. I was like, no, I want to speak how I would speak. So that really kind of like pushed me into like not bullshitting anymore and being like, what do you want to do? And I came back to Toronto. So obviously I couldn't live there. I didn't have any paperwork. And then I started to really hit. I'd like to do three, four sets a night. Once you moved back here. Yeah, man. So I, that moment for you, you you're you're getting hit in the head with a gun. Yeah. Kicked. Kicked after, which and, was stupid because I already got hit with the gun. Right. Yeah. Right. They tell you they tell you to run. I think they said shoot, run or we'll shoot or something like that. I just know I was like, fuck, I might get shot in the back. I might right. die. I just kinda was like they What's the point of, like, they could just kill me. There's no right. point. Yeah, you know, I saw their faces. They weren't wearing masks. But that inspires you to just not be bullshit. your authentic self. Yeah, just not the bull. I didn't know what I was like in between. And I was watching a lot of Richard Pryor stuff. And I remember Whoopi Goldberg, I think was, or Jamie Foxx on this documentary style thing was like, he put everything on the table, on the stage. Like, I don't know. I was just really inspired by him. I enjoy, he was my, he was my favorite comedian. He still is. And I was like, oh, I want to be like that. So then I was like up there playing around. I didn't know. I was just like, I had to set up. But I just wanted to share ideas and stories about myself and just come from like a heightened version of who I was. So you come back to yeah. Toronto, mid-20s. Probably, yeah. Right? Yeah, later 20s, yeah. You go, you, you, now you're really getting to work. Now it's like, I want to be myself. I want to talk like me. I don't want to yeah. do this bullshit anymore. And I assume that, at that time, you've got to pick up another job, right? I was you, always working. Right. I, I, I haven't, I, you know, it took me till 2010 in my, in my, in my on and off girlfriend and still friend till this day, Caroline was the one that told me to quit. She's like, you're miserable. I hated, I worked at Indigo, the bookstore. I hated this job. I hated being there so much that at one point I leave on lunch break and I buy a hundred dollar jacket because I was so sad inside. I needed something. <laughs> I needed something. I, I was legit like going like, and then she was like, quit. I go, I can't quit. I don't have any fun finances. She's like, don't worry. It's going to come. She was a, a, a believer and a dreamer. That's what I admired about her. I did. And then luckily I was doing well. All right. Nothing by any means crazy. I was just like, you know, I wasn't miserable. And then I got paranoid. I was like, Caroline, I got to get a job. I'm a, she goes, no, just stick it out. And then I never had a job. That was like 2010. Wow. Yeah. 2011 around the time. I can't imagine you working a real job. I, I like just knowing you. I, I don't even know what. What'd you do at the bookstore? 
Oh, I was a cashier. And then I worked at a sightseeing company, the yellow buses that used to give people tours. I used to hand out maps and sell tickets at four locations. I worked, uh, handed out uh, for a psych, not, uh, what is those, the psychics? I'd go drop flyers. It lasted a day or two because it rained. I was like, I ain't doing this bullshit. I worked at a telemarketing job. Um, all over, man. I did everything, bro. I worked at a, 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 a Mill Street brewery. Like oh, yeah. brewing, and the guy by like Friday, he was training me, and I'm like, "Yo, by the way, has these kegs ever fell on you?" And he goes, "Oh yeah," like he said, "Oh yeah," with such confidence. He goes, "Fucking uh, a month ago, one busted my toe," and I just went, "Nope." In my head, I go, "Nope," and I quit. <laughs> so I lasted a week. I worked out Price Chopper, bro. You know, it was an old grocery store when I first moved here. I told I worked in the meat department. I told the guy, I go, if I ever cut my hand, I'm quitting. And he was this Italian guy. I think he was Italian or Portuguese. Young guy. He goes, okay, bro, relax. He goes, look at my hand. I've cut myself. I go, look, I promise you, the day I cut my finger, I'm out of here. <laughs> I think like a year and a half later, I cut my finger and I quit. I go, I told you, bro. And he goes, ah, come on, you're really going to quit? I go, yeah. I told you when I got this job, I cut my finger, I'm, t- I'm done, and I quit. This episode of Lease and Learned is sponsored by the Big Fish Steak and Lounge in Sarnia, Ontario. One of my personal favorite restaurants in in the world. I was going to say in the country, but no, in the world. They have some of the greatest food I have ever had. Every single time I eat there, I think to myself, it will never get better than what I have just eaten. And the next time I go back, they top it once again. It's that good. If you live in the Sarnia area, make sure you book your reservation for lunch or dinner or hell, book your reservation for both right now. Do it tonight. What are you going to cook? for dinner tonight probably something awful don't do that head on over to the big fish steak and lounge if you don't live in sarnia i suggest you make a trip down just for the food or if you're going to be in the area stop in and have one of the greatest meals you will ever have big fish steak and lounge a proud sponsor of lease and learned this episode is also sponsored by the Carlot etc in sudbury ontario where they make buying your next vehicle very very easy. Let's say you go online, you find a vehicle that you want to test drive, but you can't quite make it in. No problem at all. They will bring the vehicle to you so you can take that test drive right from your own home. They do have the largest used truck inventory in the north. They also have the best selection of cars, SUVs, and vans. If you're like me and your credit is, let's say, not great, that's no problem. They do have options for everyone. You can also trade in your vehicle. They offer the best trade-in value in the North. So head on over to the website, thecarlot.ca and book a test drive right now. And a huge thank you to The Carlot, etc., for being a very proud sponsor of Lease and Learn. This episode is also sponsored by MVP Properties. For all of your property management needs in Southwestern Ontario and the GTA, big or small, these folks do it all. From helping you find great renters for an investment property to large-scale property management, MVP Properties is a complete solution property management provider based out of the Kitchener-Waterloo area. 
Problems with your current property manager? No problem. Give them a call. They'll be happy to give you great service at a reasonable rate. Visit mvpproperties.ca or call toll-free 1-844-284-RENT. That's 1-844-284-7368 or locally at 226-499-4687. MVP Properties, a proud sponsor of Lease and Learn. This episode is also sponsored by Laughing Viking Studios in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Laughing Vikings is a digital media studio and live entertainment production company turning delusions into reality. Located in the heart of Toronto's TV and film district, the studio is the ideal home for creators. We are home to comedians, actors, podcasters, photographers, and filmmakers who need a convenient and flexible space to create. Book your studio time for self-tapes, podcasting, film shoots, photo shoots, casting sessions, workshops, and rehearsals, and ask about their memberships. Visit laughingvikings.com today. I don't know if we have that much time for, for this story. What story? There's like... So I'm working on Price Chopper, and there was this room. There's this comedy room um, in the in the gay area, a gay village. Sorry, uh, and it was popping. So it was. I don't even say it was popping. It was like the stages. You got to go up these <laughs> circular stair sta stairs, and you're performing in a stairwell basically. And then the, you know. So one time we're just like performing, and it's like a half booked show, half open mic. Some guy. I go to this guy in the audience. I go, you look like you look like the drummer from Sum 41. And then he goes, I am. And I go, shut the fuck up. I don't know why I got angry. I go, right. you're not. <laughs> I finished my set. And I knew the bartender well. And he comes over. And he's with this badass chick. She's dope. He goes, hey, man, good job. I go, thanks, bro. He goes, but I am. I go, you're what? He goes, I'm, I'm the drummer from Sum 41. I go, I don't think so, man. And he... <laughs> Pulls his shirt up and it says, so it says like, uh, some 41. I go, whatever, bro. And I turn my back to him and the bartender goes, Dave, I think it's him. I go, it can't be. She goes, it's him. So I turn and he goes, what are you doing? Uh, you want to come party with us? I go, ah, I can't, man. I work at Price Chopper. I got a 9 a.m. shift. And she's like nudging me. She goes, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> go with this guy. Because he gave me this look of like, what? So I go, yeah, man. We get in the cab. I'm in the cab with this guy. It's Steve from Sum 41. So I'm like, I don't know what to, what to say to him. I'm nervous. I start shitting on bands that are his friends by accident. Like, I'm like, I don't fuck. I hate good Charlotte. He goes, oh, they're good people, man. They're my friends. I go, and i trying to do like whack jokes. I go, how come every white band has one brown guy? And then he was like, I don't know, because they had a brown guy. So it, nothing was working, the jokes. And he, and he goes, yeah, we're going to this bar because... The concert got canceled because the lead singer's throat. I go, oh. So we get to the door and he's like, I'm from Sum 41. The bouncer goes, nah, sure, man. He wouldn't let him. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever seen someone do this move. He pulled out those Visa black card. And he goes like that. And the guy goes, okay, man. And he just let him in. Oh, nice I never move. seen that. And I was like, oh, we get in there. And now Billy Talents, like all the... Some 41 people that Billy Talents there. He is, I'm, I'm drinking the most I've ever drank. Anytime 
I, my hand was never empty. Right. And I know I have to work at Price Chopper in the morning. I go, I, I, I'm not from these people's lives. This guy was getting drunk too, Steve. And he kept telling all the band members and people, anyone he met, he goes, this guy's so funny, man. He's a fucking stand-up comedian, Dave. Stand but I wasn't a full-time, you know, and I had to tell him, I go, we're both getting drunk together. I go, hey, man, you gotta, you can't tell. They don't know who I am. You're just leaving me with nothing. You're saying it, and they're staring at me. Like, I have no, I'm, they don't know. They, you know, he goes, ah, come on. And he's getting, like, drunk, drunk. He goes, he goes, I fucking get it, though, man. I get the heckles. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Like, he's, now he's getting, like, personal. And I don't know this guy that well. He goes, sometimes, man, when we're at much music and they're fucking chanting the lead singer. He knew his name. I can't remember his name. He goes to chanting his name. I just think, man, like, there's other people in the band, man. Like, he's breaking down. I go, oh, shit. And it, it, we're against the wall. So I'm like, oh, man, this is weird. And it looks like, I don't know if he's going to cry. Like, I don't know if he wants a hug. I don't know what to do because I don't know this guy and I'm wasted. And I look dead center in his eye and I go, hey, man, at least you, you're not pussy like Hoobastank. <laughs> That's all I have. And I liked Hoobastank. I don't know why I threw them under the bus. But again, I had to work at Price Chopper. So I go, I got to get there. Did you laugh the, at the Hoobastank thing? I can't even remember. He was so drunk, bro. We were both drunk. Bro, I had to get out of there. Like, I was like, I was afraid. Right. I go, I can't puke in front of these people. I go, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to piss and I'm going to fucking get the fuck out of here and say bye to nobody. So I'm peeing and I shit you not. I hear a bang. The door opens and he goes, whoo. He goes, I thought you left. Yeah, did it, leave. And I'm, with the way I'm peeing, like I turn, I'm terrified because I don't know who it is. And I turn, dick in my hand, and I see it's Steve. And then his girlfriend, they're like, you're not leaving, man. You're not leaving. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm, I want to go home. He goes, come out. Drinks on me. We're doing it. I swear to you, the door closes, and I'm just stuck. You know, it's like a movie. I'm stuck there. I go, I don't want to go out there. What the fuck am I going to do? I want to go home. I work a price chopper. I swear to you, some guy fucking comes from the top of the stall, the shitter next to me, his head over it, and he goes, he goes, yo, was that some 41? <laughs> and I wasn't even happy. I went, yeah, man, it's Steve. And I just, <laughs> I wanted out. It was like, and I went to work at Price Chopper the next day, 9 a.m. My buddy was, my roommate Phil at the time was like, you didn't get his number. I go, no. He goes, you're a fucking idiot. And I go, I, had to, I just kept saying I got to work at Price Chopper. He goes, Price Chopper? Who gives a fuck? And then like, wow. years later, 2012, I get, a, the job, I get a job at MTV Live and they were auditioning him. They were auditioning? And Steve. Steve went Steve? in. Steve? Yeah. But I, I, they told me after. Wow. I that was cool. Because I was like, yo, you know, we could have, I don't think he would have remembered, but I'm like, remember, I'm the guy that scared in the bathroom. That's it. Did you go out with him that night? Did you end up going out or how'd you get out of that situation? I left. I came out, had a drink and bullet. Dude, I had to go. I was wasted. I was beyond wasted. It was unlimited booze. I, I never drank that much. There was rock stars. They were like legit. They were like huge at that time. That's incredible. It was wild. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And he was so geeked about me. He was like, this guy. He kept introducing me to people. And he was like, this guy, man, he's so funny. I was just like young. I didn't know. And the you've fuck never was. seen him since. Never then? seen him since. I guess I've never crossed paths. No, we all. That's why I thought we almost did with the MTV Live because I was asking him who else did they audition or who else came in, who else were they trying to get, and they were like talk, win talks with Steve from Some Forty One, the drummer, because he's a funny guy. 
I remember him being funny. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy, man. That's really good. I started because we talked about jobs. I just I just remember like price I just remember saying price chopper so many times. And you got there though. Nine AM, you showed up for work, price chopper, here I am. It happened back then a lot where, you know, I remember doing the Panasonic Theater for uh, most races show on earth. And, bro, two shows, 700 people. And I was working at Indigo the next day at 9 a.m. Just wow. rock. I was like, 1,400 people, man, in, two, in one night. And How'd you even get to sleep? Did you even sleep? All that adrenaline? No. I, was, I remember Arthur Simeon, a very funny comic friend of mine, a comedian, he was like, well, he came in the next day to Indigo, and he was like, yo, isn't that crazy, bro? I was like, yeah, man, I had a vest on. <laughs> I remember le- leaving the cashier to talk to him and someone else, another friend, and I was like, dude, that was, that was wild last night. 700 people, man. A- any other jobs that you had? Uh, I know you mentioned uh, you worked on the sightseeing tours. The the Is it a bus tour? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I never did the touring, but I used to work at Papa John's. Okay. And Armando's Pizza? Pizzeria. Yeah, I was a delivery driver in college. Wow. In yeah. Windsor. In Windsor. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So all jobs and and uh, before you had, kind of in comedy, you're still in comedy. You're yeah. still doing the stuff at night. You're still doing the open oh, mics. Yeah. You mentioned doing the, the fucking theater show, 700 people yeah. a night, two, two shows. Dude, I would sleep in my uniform sometimes at comics houses, like on the floor, because it was just closer to, to Indigo, their right. house. So I was doing two, three sets a night and working nine to five. I would wow. come home, sleep for an hour, eat, and then go out until like four in the morning. I did that for like, I don't know how many years, six, seven years, dude. It was too, I, too long. Right. Too long ago to remember the exact dates. But it wasn't like, this wasn't night and day. This wasn't overnight. Or it was like a lot of, I worked. And when people are like, like you know, sometimes now comics are like, oh, you don't know. You've never had a, you don't have a day job. I go, yo, I had one, man. Right. Multiple. And I still, I swear to you, nine to five. Come home, sleep, go do comedy. Three, right. four sets a night. Right. Straight out, man. And it was 2010 when the you stopped doing the Probably, day job stuff? I think around then. And in 2011, I went homegrown at Just for Laughs. And then, yeah, I know that definitely around that time, I didn't have a day job no more. Was winning homegrown at Just for Laughs, was that your, was that your first sort of big break? For me, it was because, yeah. you know, some, you know, that's another thing, too, is like you think some of these things will will catapult you or get you to a place. And sometimes they don't. That's just the reality of it. For me, I think a lot of people didn't trust did just, you know, they would see my act. And at the time, it, it was pretty chaotic and not organized. So I think with Homegrown, you had to come up with a seven minute set. So I was able to do that and win. I think they saw me in a different light, a light maybe that made it easier for them to book me in other places. I think that's what it did for me, for me personally, because, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, you're unstable or we don't you don't really have an act. So it allowed me to showcase that side of me that I knew I had um, and it helped me immensely. So prior to that, people are thinking that you're you're not structured you're you're just kind of winging it winging you're off the it, cuff yeah. you're i remember a, a guy used to manage me like you know a long long time ago he was talking to the booker and they're they asking him do you know what he's what set he's gonna do and he was like i even if he told me before the show what his set was i know by the time he gets to the stage it's gonna change so i don't know he, i remember he had that talk with me he was like i need you to do so i remember too it was on king street i was like being a punk about it so come on man <laughs> why and he's like just give me seven minutes i was being difficult for no reason because i was just 
I don't know. I can't really, you know, maybe I was too high on my own supply. Maybe I have no idea. I just was being difficult. And he was like, uh, seven minutes, man. That's all you got to do. And then I practiced it and I got the seven and he, he was right. You know, I was able to do other things. I got booked for a lot of things after that that I normally wouldn't. And and so that started all the stuff you started getting booked for started with homegrown started with winning winning that and then I was also like getting into the habit of trying to book shit on my own I wasn't with yuck yucks or anyone so I was like taking it from him I learned from him he taught me you know so I would just reach out I learned from you I learned from Ryan Denis another very very funny comedian I would just book I started to book stuff on my own I started to actively go out west I started to you know, start to do this independent thing and I was able to make money. So it was a lot of it was like also me pushing me constantly. You know, I would do a thing where I would hit up bookers. I was very self-aware of trying to do that. Right. You know, spend a, once a week hitting up everyone. You're when at this time that you're that you're doing this, uh, like prior to homegrown, I, I guess, and maybe immediately after. Are you doing most of your stuff in Toronto, or are you is this the time when you're getting out on the road and and doing more road? A stuff? A year before that, I started to go out west for the first time. I went out west for the first time. That was 2000. No, no, not for the. When I went out a longer period, I booked myself out there. Before that, I'd visit Edmonton because. Caroline, my uh, on and off girlfriend at the time, lived. Her parents are from there, and she's from there. Or like her m- mom and sister lived out there. Uh, so she and she's from from there, not originally, but so I would go out there and I saw how much they can make money out there. And then in 2010, I set I went out and middled uh, for a bunch of comics, and we and I went on the road for three weeks. And are you doing clubs at this time, or are you in the bars? And the- I was doing the Laugh Shop, not the Laugh Shop. Sorry, the funny. Not what's the agency out there? Callback. They okay. had a, they had a run a run out there. They were not yuck yucks. They were like. Oh. And then I met a guy named Chris Labelle. He still does comedy, and he's like a, a promoter as well. And That's I got, I Love owe Chris him LaBelle. I owe him a lot too because he he booked me a bunch and he put money in my pocket before a lot of people put money in my pocket. So I owe him. Um, his dues on that. So, yeah. So I just connected with every independent booker I could find. Right. And then just started, uh, just started hitting the road as yeah. much as you, as yeah, much as working, you can. Yeah. You know how it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I know that road game, uh, all too well. Uh, I was with you out there too. I was like, you know, you booked me. So, uh, in, yeah, so many years, man. So it's like, yeah, I just constantly was just kind of with that fear played into it too so i was like constantly just i had to book for my i was never with a yuck yucks so i never really had a booker send me out for stuff so i was i got in a, even when i got an agent I, I would still book myself and forget i had an agent and he'd be like yo dude <laughs> I was, he thought i was making money on my he thought i was cheating him out of money and they were like what are you doing Did you, what do you mean you book i still do it now i go and book myself <laughs> And they think I'm cheating them, but it's just like that habit that's still there. Right. It's always still there, man. In comedy especially. And I'm sure in music it's the same thing, but you can't rely on no, that. No, I don't even wait on my agents that much, dude. I'm on that too. I'm like, yo, right. book me. I, I, do, I do pop-up shows. I just try to, I don't even wait on them. You can't. They got other clients. You know, ain't nobody, ain't nobody, you know, no, ain't nobody going to worry about putting food in your mouth except for your mom and your dad. Right. That's it. Like to a level of like insanity, it'd be those two people. I feel with the the success you have now. You have a, you know you have two specials. You, you had uh, 
good friend uh, Brad Grammer, which won the Juno, uh, which for the album and the specials on uh, Amazon and Vimeo and uh, yeah, and the iTunes and iTunes. all the streaming uh, and um, Apple, which is fantastic. I, I will say that anybody that wants to see like. Some just fucking straight up hilarious comedy. Go watch Good Friend, Bad Grammar. Not long after that, you taped another one for uh, uh, Netflix. It was the Comedians of the World. That, you know, that was like, again, we're all grateful for all these opportunities and stuff. That that happened last July. July 28th, they filmed it in... uh, uh, Montreal at the Just for Laughs at Club Soda. So they, they went around and it, it, I think there was something over 35 specials were shot. So they went around different countries and picked like four comics, I think, per per that country. Right. So I was one of the four of the Canadian English speaking. So it was a French. And it was great, man. And, and I had already had an idea of what the next... I was going to do something on my own anyways after that again of like talking about like my dad and, and um, ethnic people dealing with anxiety and therapy like my me not you know feeling comfortable getting a therapist and how it involved my family so i was already trying to put that together and then that opportunity came up which we're all very very grateful and ecstatic for so i was able to build that so i had like i had like a skeleton and did that what was the timeline dude, between filming and taping a good friend bad grammar and what's the other one called on Netflix oh beautifully manic beautifully manic right oh, uh, what was the timeline between the filmings of those two 2016 we filmed uh good friend bad grammar May something I can't remember the date in the 30th I think I can't don't quote me on that two shows at the Drake okay we filmed it and we were gonna pitch it we filmed we got the requirements you need for like Netflix like camera wise and all that we were going to pitch it and we were going to try to sell it to streaming companies or whoever. So it took about a year and a half to edit how I wanted it or how we wanted it to. And then from there, we started to pitch. We were like, we got like some leads, but then we decided to go on and put it on our own. We got, we got rejections, obviously, but we were like, I was like, I can't, I don't want to wait anymore. It's been already like almost two years. Let's put it out. So around 2016 was when we officially filmed it. And then 2018, is when I filmed uh, Beautifully Manic. So, so two, two years, years between the between the two. And did you notice or have you noticed in, in the time that you've got the Netflix one and the Juno now, uh, has your has it become easier for booking for you? Is, is Have those credits uh, gotten you places or is it still like very uh, difficult to get it's in? Still, it's still work, but it's like when you say he's done a Netflix special or Juno, people are like, oh, it's easier to talk to a booker. It's easier probably to get in the door. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. hey, my client has done these two things. Oh, yeah, I'll talk to him. Right. So it helps you that 100% from sh- for sure from what my agent tells me. It's easier to get emails back. Right. But like as it exponentially, like it's still you got to work, man. You know, you still got to work. Are you headlining now clubs throughout the U.S. as we, a result? We try. We're, we put in. We started, I think, a little bit late, but like four months ago, we started sending out stuff to clubs. So hopefully. and is the response? There's so been far some been, response, but it's like a lot of it is like they probably already have their 
their bookings and stuff. I was able to get like maybe like door deals and like in, in at clubs in Canada now and just like a better better deals and better better situations of course, but f because of the Juno and Netflix. That's 100% for sure. Is that are you noticing a difference in your ticket sales now? Uh, a just little bit. independently when people know you personally yeah. are there, are the ticket sales going up? A little bit, yeah. yeah. Mr. D helped too, you know, Rami in the States helps. Uh, a lot every single amount of it helps and stuff. And Rami is interesting. Uh, that's that's on Hulu. Yes, right. All the ten episodes came out in April, so April nineteenth. Um, they're gonna film season two, so you can get all in, in Canada. I think and, and everywhere else. I think if you have iTunes, you can down you can buy it on iTunes now. So, in Canada, and just I think anywhere like outside, like if you don't have Hulu, you can go on iTunes. It's called Rami, R A M Y, and there's uh, uh ten episodes. And on this show, you play. First of all, uh, before we get into that show, on Mr. D, yeah. you play a teacher? I play an economics teacher, and I right. did study economics in, in college. Okay. So I, I, But I still went back and taught myself when I had to do this role. There was a scene where I had to do this, something with economics, and I was like, I got to go back. So yeah, I play economics teacher last two seasons, seven, eight. Seven and eight, and uh, all eight seasons are available on Netflix in Canada, so you can see them all. So I joined as like a guest, I don't know what they call it, a guest starring or something, right. but I was like uh, one of the new teachers, an economics teacher. And is that, is it, are these things you had to uh, audition for? Well, Jerry saw me do stand-up, and, and, and then I opened for him in Windsor at the hockey arena, yeah. and then he was like, yeah, I'm thinking I have, an, I have a role for you, you just can be yourself, and then I did a self-tape. But yeah, he was like, he, he, he had talked to me about it before. Right. Yeah. Right. So he was like, just do you, man. So it was very helpful. I got to wear a hat. Which I think is if you're going to cast Dave Mirage, you let Dave Mirage do Dave Mirage. Yeah, I, to I some extent, right? right? Like sometimes you, you're, you're correct. We yeah. talked about this too in, in the car driving back from, from, from one of the gigs we were together. Yeah, he, he allowed me. He was like to the point where he was like, you wear a hat on stage, do you? I, I go, I go, yeah. And then I just heard him talk to the other people and he goes, he wears a hat on stage. <laughs> so right. they got me. I was wearing a, a beanie, a toque. <laughs> right. A teacher. It was brilliant. So yeah. he was always like, yeah, man, just do you. But again, I was like, a, I was an eager teacher because that, that was based off a real person I think he knew who's still on board and excited about teaching. But I also was playing myself, but there was another element to it. So I wasn't completely myself because I was like this goofy, like, I really want to teach right. kind of thing. And then with Rami, it's the same thing. I play a devout Muslim. I'm like a Christian Lebanese guy. But in the show, I play someone who's very into their faith. I don't smoke, I don't drink, and I'm married. So, and I'm none of those things. Now, I'm In not married, life. I smoke, and I drink. Right. And I've right. done two of those now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so so in in uh uh Ram, how do you what do you say it properly Rami, Rami yeah Rami? Rami? okay so people say Rami but it's Rami it's Rami oh, yeah. and it's uh the star of the show is Rami Rami Yusuf he just his HBO special just is out now too I I was there at the at the taping of it in which Chicago which is incredible which yeah, is it's like really good man. really beautifully shot beautifully shot it, it's a like a uh, artistic yeah. uh, uh, comedy special it's really amazing if you have check it out if you have HBO and if you can find it another way do that so but yeah this is like loosely like it's you know he, it's not it's not to his life like it's not everything's not factual right but it's like yeah he's like a millennial I guess trying to you know be 
follow the faith, but he's like, right. you know, it's a, and you don't have to be like Muslim, Arab Muslim to, to 100% like relate to it. It's really, I feel about family relationships and it just shows faith in a good, in a good light. Right. Be, you know? Yeah. It's, I, I haven't seen the, uh, show uh yet but in every interview i've watched almost every interview well, that he's done or you and him have done and and uh it just sounds like a great such a great show and i saw a bit of his special too which was just like amazing you know dude. and i'm I a would, huge fan of his he's just a cool he's very, guy. very cool like, guy i like his vibe you know his vibe is great and, yeah. and look if i wasn't in the show I, I i promise you it's not coming from a biased point of view i would tell you to watch it yeah i, I watched all 10 obviously and I, and it's great man it's 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 awesome it's like shot so well too a24 productions is behind it i'm i'm curious to know because you know you, you're a very successful guy um you've done almost everything there is to do i would say in uh in in stand-up as far as like you know getting the festivals and getting the specials and stuff like that being on a, a hit show a couple of hit shows now you know with uh, mr d and and rami um i'm curious to know was there anything you auditioned for that you did not get that uh that that people would know or is there or maybe even if they don't know is there anything you didn't get that you thought i should have got that or i wish i got that Ah, uh, you know, I, I to be honest with you, I, I didn't really audition. I, you know, my agents would always tell me, that, you know, you have to audition for commercials to start off, and I hated that shit. I still get so much anxiety, right? <laughs> if you tell me I have to go do a commercial audition, but I didn't really audition. I didn't really audition ex heavily. You know what I mean? Like with MTV, when I did MTV Live, uh, you know, uh, I think it was Rob Ross was one of the writers. He Facebooked me. He goes, "They're all doing auditions. You want to do it?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I had to go back and watch the show. Mr. D, before that, that was my first sitcom. Never been on a sitcom. That was crazy. He They taught me a lot. So I don't, I'm trying to think. There's stuff that I would go for. I was like, oh, that would be really dope. I, but I, I don't know if anyone would like know what it was. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm trying to, like, I, you know, there was one where it was like, I, it wasn't even I not that I, I wanted to get get uh get it to do it, but I was so geeked I memorized it and I was like, fuck man. I was like playing some kind of like drug dealer rocker guy who sells like prescription pills out of his trunk, right? But I was geeked, I memorized it, I went and I felt so confident in uh in the self uh when you did the in, the audition. But I sure. didn't get it obviously, but I, it's not that I wanted to be in it per se. I was just I felt I prepared. <laughs> so, Right, <laughs> I felt warranted. Right. Oh, come on, man. Well, like Spent sometimes. Spent a whole day on this. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck, guy? Come on, give me something. Here. You know the there was one thing I just thought did a self tape for where the guy is supposed to hit my face off a counter, but I in my head the whole time. I look, I practice, I memorize, I did my best, but I go, there's no way they're picking me because I got glasses, and right. that was like my uh, my write off already. I was like gonna call my AJ and be like, "Are you guys out of your fucking mind? I got glasses. They smashed the guy on the counter. <laughs> are we all are we You're amateurs not here? A guy with glasses? Come on! No, and no. I was like, this is not for me. So there was like been stuff like that where I always laugh. I go, I don't have long hair. Like they like he grabbed his long hair. I go, I'm bald. Right. There was one where and agents are trying. I'm not shitting on my agents, but there was one time they hit me up and she's like, this role's perfect for you. I go, yeah. She's like, yeah, yeah. Lebanese, you're Lebanese, and then I read this the scene, and it's East Indian, <laughs> and 
And do you know who got the ro the role? Ali Hassan. Of course. So Ali, nice. is, Ali Hassan's a very funny comic, but we're boys. So I'm at this audition, and then Ali, I can, I'm upstairs, and I can see he enters, and I go, Ali, I go, Ali, and then he looks up, he's geeked. I go, what are you here for? <laughs> and he goes, this guy. I go, oh, fuck. I go, are you doing the accent or not? And then I don't know what he said, and I, he goes, what are you gonna do? I go, I don't know, man. I feel cheap doing an accent. And I was like, oh, I was like, I ain't doing anything gonna make me, bro. I walked in there full. I went, you guys want me to do the accent or not? And they're like, whatever you feel. I punked out and did the full blown accent. Walk wow. out, and then Ali's like, what'd you do? I go accent. I didn't get it. Ali got it. <laughs> it was a man seeking woman. He played wow. the convenience store. At a convenience store. That one again wasn't like I was like I want. I was just like you right. know they're just funny. I wish I yeah. I don't have one exactly where I was like, oh, man, I wish I got that. I want to talk a little bit about stand up again, traveling around. Worst bomb that you have had, not in the early days when it was typical, but once you got a feel of it, just one of those nights where you know what you're doing, but just something goes sideways and it just goes off the rails. Thunder Bay, Helsinki, I think it's called. They do four shows. <laughs> First two shows go great on the Friday night. 250 people there each each show. I knew some people that lived there. At one point during one of the shows, this guy's talking and he goes quiet after. I go, what happened to that guy? After the show, I go, my friend Carl, who's from there, walks up to me. He goes, I go, sorry about that fucking guy that was talking. I go... I go, oh man, do you know him? He goes, nah, but I told him to tone down. I go, when? He goes, during your set. So during my set, apparently, Carl walks over. It's dark. I can't see anything. Tells this guy, he goes, if you don't shut the fuck up, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> so I go, Carl, you said that? He goes, yeah, man. He should have. He should respect you. And I go, fuck, I wish Carl was at every show. <laughs> Just yeah, fucking man. John wicking the situation. So he <laughs> he goes. So that this is the so I'm feeling good. I'm wearing my favorite jacket, like a varsity jacket. I'm feeling good. I'm in Thunder Bay. They, you know, they, I'm I go up and I pick this guy in the front row. French fuck from I think he's originally from Quebec. And we start riffing with each other. Bro, we're bombing together for 30 minutes. We bombed. And I tell you him. You this audience member? Yeah, he wouldn't stop. I wouldn't stop. I go, and I tell him, I go, bro, this is done. We bombed together. It's not your fault. It could be my fault, but it didn't work, right? And behind him is these two white guys, skinny and a little bigger white guy. This skinny white guy, I swear to you, 200 some people, quiet, goes like this. But, and before that, this hippie lady was heckling too, but not so bad, right? She does, she does massages or whatever. She let us know. This white guy goes like this, out loud. It's quiet, and then he goes, for the love of God, for the love of fucking God, tell a joke, man. Tell a joke. He, nobody's saying it. He keeps going, tell a joke. <laughs> for the love of God. Like he's, and we're all stopped. We're like, we don't know what's happening. And I go, I'm sorry, man. I go, but I only have eight minutes left. I fucked up. He fucked up. We fucked up together. I'm so sorry. The girl 
the uh, energy girl comes on stage. She goes, do you want a hug? I go, no. And she just comes on stage and hugs me. Energy girl? She was the girl that was heckling too. She was like the yoga oh, or something. Okay. She comes okay. up because she thinks it's a, I'm, I need a hug. So we hug. Mid-performance? Yeah, after that Mid- guy yelled at me. With eight minutes left, do you Mid- need a hug? And I don't do a joke. I I, I do my, my, what is my act and it's not going well. So I bomb. People are coming up. They're like, they felt bad. They're like, that guy's a piece of shit. But I, I didn't care because I told the guy, I go, bro, look, I, to be honest with you, I don't really care. This is going to be a story I tell when I go back to Toronto. Right. And he left. He didn't beat me up or anything like that. I'm in the back and everyone's like heartbroken. I don't care. I, I got four shows, two went great so far. It happens. And then I'm sitting in the green room and the lady who took over, because her husband is a comic, he passed away and he used to book that room. So she took it over. Bro, I feel this hug from behind. Like, like I was like, who's touching me? The the lady who booked me hugged me. She's like, oh, you handled that? You handled that well? Like, someone died. I was like, again, I still don't give a fuck. So the, but the best, so I drink with Carl. I think Carl came that night or the night before. But the best part of that whole, not the best, the most dangerous. So me and Carl are drinking. I'm not watching what Carl's drinking. I'm having fun and. Carl's like, what are you saying? I go, the Sandman or whatever. He goes, ah, I'll give you a ride. I go, cool. We're driving. I go, Carl, are you hungry? He goes, yeah, I could eat. I go, Burger King? I go, yeah. We go through the drive-thru. He drops me off at the hotel. I talk to Carl the next day. I go, Carl, man, thanks again for taking me to Burger King. And he goes, we went where? I go, <laughs> I go, Carl, you took me to Burger King. He goes, to be honest with you, I don't remember that. Carl wow. <laughs> was full-blown I think blackout drunk and drove me. I go, Carl, dude, we talked. We were through the. He goes, I, I don't know. I, was it good? That summed up Thunder Bay, man. But that was like probably the worst. Not the not the worst in like I felt like shit after, but probably the like the funniest right heckle I've ever been a part. Of. Like if you heard, he almost for the love, love of God, God tell please tell. And he was absolutely right. There was no joke. For 30 minutes. And he had enough. He watched me in the Quebec guy play. And he's like, I've, I don't want, like this anymore. Were other people laughing at you in the Quebec guy? Or was it Barely. Not, nobody. Barely. Nothing. I was struggling, dude. Right. I. That's why I wasn't mad. I go, he's right. Right. There was no joke. If you, if my act isn't going well, there's no jokes. There's a, there's a, there's a court case to go that, that this is not comedy. I understand that. If there is no laughs during my set, you're like, what is this guy yelling at us for? I don't know where the setup punch is. His hands are moving here. He's screaming and he's doing his dad's accent. I don't know what's happening. So if you take away the laughs, yeah, that's a that, that man was correct. Where are the jokes? Really a pleasure, man. Man, I uh, legit, I'm telling you, people say it on podcasts. I for sure had a great time. I thank you, talking. man. It's easy to talk to. Great interviewer. Great time. Thank you for being here, man. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, I, I also want to congratulate you on all the success, man. No, I, I don't, I don't think I've, I don't think I've seen anybody in comedy that deserves it more, that, that, that's put in more work where you look at it and you, 
you know how sometimes you see somebody in life, not even comedy, just in life, they're starting to succeed and you're like, yeah, that person, you know, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But with you, it, it really, it, it, it is, uh, you, you have left a pattern of work and, and the effect you've had on other comics and, and the fact that they're taking after you and their approach to stand up is, is really a true testament to what you've done. And you, you truly, uh, uh, you, you, deserve everything that you've gotten and and everything that you will continue to get for sure i do want to say quickly i'm very grateful for it and like uh and i know it sounds maybe hokey to say that but like i do enjoy it you know what i'm saying and i and i understand that you know the, the time times like this don't always happen and times like this don't always last long long so i learned to be more grateful in that moment and then just if you're always working man yeah that's that's all i wanted to make that clear that i'm very grateful because it doesn't happen. It's a very hard business, so I'm very, very grateful. It's very, very difficult and, and it, it, you know, very hard. And I think a lot of very people hard. get into it for different reasons. And yeah. some people get into it with these sort of delusions of yep. things that are going to happen and all that kind of stuff. But I think for for anyone that I've... Young comics yeah. that ask me uh, stuff, you know, like uh, uh, they ask me questions or whatever, I end up talking about you a lot because I, I say, you know, if you take the Dave Merhaj approach, go out there every night, do all of the shows, do the put the time into the, the work that you're supposed to do, things will happen. And I think that's a lot of... Uh, I think a lot of people don't understand that. I think a lot of people could look at you personally or anybody, but you know, and go, "Oh, well, that guy got lucky or whatever." No, no, there's no, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, there's like little bit of luck, but it's all like, man, we, I worked hard, and there's a lot of yeah. people too that that I look at that worked hard, and that, that's it, man. If you put in, and nothing's promised to you, and I learned, I learned that like took me a long time to learn, and but I always now try to have fun because again. It doesn't. It is not. It's a tough business, as you know, and and so I'm grateful. But I try to have fun. Yeah. In these moments. Yeah, man. Because you never know. So. You never know. Enjoy it while it lasts, yes. man. And and honestly, seriously, truthfully, congratulations. Thanks and so and much, it bro. really, really is Thank is you. amazing. And uh, honestly, if you ever get a chance to go see Dave Merhaj live, trust me, go and see this fucking Please guy do. live. He's hilarious. Uh, Dave Merhaj, thank you so I much. See Jeff man. live too. Don't don't do, yeah. Um, great with the crowd. You've seen the videos, so if you have a chance, <laughs> you know what he's he's putting in that work. I and I respect that a lot too. Because another thing too, social media, like how you how you're doing is is like how it's done now. So it's like the videos, the content is beautiful, man. You know that's one thing when I look at you do that, I was like, I got to do more of that. I got to put more content out. It's beautiful. Keep doing what you're doing, and I'm proud of you as well. Thanks, um, man. Because you've been pushing and then you could see the numbers and, and you're doing it on your own, which is like you're building your own lane. And again, that's very important. You're not waiting for phone calls. You are building your own fan base and watch. You're just touring and getting sponsors, just doing shit that we as comics don't think to do, especially Canadians. You're doing it like way better, way better. And that's how it should be. So just get if you, you're doing it, proud of you and check out Jeff as well. Thank you, man. I appreciate that.
Well, there you have it. My thanks to Dave Merhaj for joining me here today. Thank you so much for being a part of this. I want to thank once again all of our sponsors. I want to thank the Laughing Viking Studios in Toronto, Ontario. That's where we taped that interview. They are terrific. Head on over to laughingvikings.com. Check them out. But huge thanks to them for, uh, for letting us shoot the uh, Dave Merhaj episode there, among others. And thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Like I said, this is episode number one. We are going to be doing this on a weekly basis, and we hope that you join us each and every week here on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow Dave on all of the on all social media platforms: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I believe everything is at Dave Merhaj. Um, and once, uh, once we can get back out and get touring again, make sure you go and see Dave Merhaj live. Uh, he is one of the best stand-up comedians um, that there is. Check out his special currently on Netflix. Check out Rami, that is on Hulu. He's fantastic. And I cannot thank him enough for uh, doing this and for being a part of our very first episode here on Lease and Learned. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And I hope to see you again next week when my guest will be Canadian musician Robbie G. Thank you guys. Have a great week. See you next time.